Feels a bit like deja vu. The Guardians had another doubleheader. I have never recalled so many doubleheaders in my life. We're going to get into both games today. We're going to discuss what a Franmil Reyes trade could look like as, you know, the rumors are out there on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off purchases of 500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKEDON at checkout. Uh, so this is actually my second recording of the day. I record for about an hour with the Locked On Rays guys. So if you want to hear me talk a lot about draft, uh, you can go check out that podcast. We've It'll post at the end of the week. And there will be some bonus podcasts this week here on this channel. Uh, with the draft around the corner. So that'll be a chance for you to you know, hear a little bit more about the draft and prepare, but still getting all the daily Cleveland Guardians content that uh, you're used to. For those who don't know me, my name is Jeff Ellis. I've been the host of Locked On Guardians. Since the MLB side of Locked On existed, uh, approaching 800 episodes now, sitting in this chair. Before that, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scouting 24-7. And before that, I wrote an Indians baseball insider uh, in all the way back to Indians Prospect Insider with my work and quotes from me appearing on any Cleveland sports blog that talked about the Guardians and minor league prospects. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. So that's right now this game, if you want to sync it up. I don't know if that's really a thing anyone does, but uh, Andres Jimenez is up. It's a 1-2 count in the seventh inning. So I'm a little bit conflicted on this. And listen, we're going to go back and talk about game first game of this one in a moment here. But I keep going back to the sixth inning because you get the bases loaded thanks to the you know the double, the wild pitch, and then a walk to Miller and a walk to Call. And then you leave in Luke Maley. You leave in Maley when you high, like, see, this is where I get, so we talk about high leverage situations for relievers all the time, right? This was a high leverage situation for the Guardians. And they had in a guy who, I went through and I wrote this down beforehand, is 57th in base, 57th worst hitter in baseball this year statistically. Uh, he is not, you know, th- there's two players worse, uh, one being the other catcher, Austin Hedges, who's the sixth worst hitter in baseball this year. All of this is minimum 90 plate appearances. And Ernie Clement, who's 29th. Uh, by the way, you got two of those guys in the lineup today. So, in this one. But I know Hedges already caught game one. I also know he had a lot of time off in there with the concussion, which, you know, is time off and isn't because when you have a concussion, it makes it hard for you to rest. It makes you hard to do anything when you have a bad concussion. But still, it's a situation where I strongly, I don't even think it would have crossed Tito's mind, but I strongly consider pinch hitting there. Uh, They go out and bring in Ronaldo Lopez, bring in the righty. I mean, they already had the righty. Dylan Cease is a righty anyways. But like, you got Nolan Jones on the bench, right? The rookie sensation who's been just destroying baseballs. He's sitting there, not playing in this one. You're telling me Hedges couldn't... I mean, it's not ideal. I get that. 
But Hedges can't come in and catch the last three innings of this one. You got Rosario on the bench, which again against a killer righty is the right call. But I, I mean, he's a better performer. This is it's a weird lineup in this one today. Let's just be honest. In the second part of this doubleheader, uh, when you got Franmil in the outfield, Call is playing center, and uh, I guess it's not that weird. It's just I'm not used to seeing Straw. Uh, on the bench when when I see Straw and Rosario on the bench it's just a lot of guys getting rest in this one but and Straw's been playing better of late but I just I don't know I feel like it we should we shouldn't just run through the lineup because it's a sixth inning like you have a chance to make a dent you are down four nothing you need to get runs bases are loaded that's leaving a guy who's not going to do it that's just not for me but enough about that. Let's move on to game one. A 4-1 to affair. Shane Bieber, first complete game of the year for the Cleveland Guardians. That's right, first complete game. And he did it on only 95 pitches. So I believe, you know, Jason Lucart, who is a Guardians fan and writer, invented the Maddox. And I believe a Maddox is a complete game under 100 pitches. So I could have that wrong, but I believe that is a, not just a complete game, but also a Maddox, which in some regards I think is even rarer than like a no-hitter. Have to look at the details there, but it's one of those things that, uh, you know, name for Greg Maddox. But yeah, it's a cool thing because it's part of the vernacular now, and it's something that a Cleveland writer invented. So credit to Jason. I probably said his last name wrong because I say everything wrong. (laughs) But yeah, what a performance. Bieber, nine innings, three hits, one earned run, seven strikeouts. I had a listener tell me, like, why did Bieber, you know, why is Bieber not getting talked about is a snub? Why is Bieber not in the All-Star game? And he's got a really good point here. Like, uh, Shane Bieber has been utterly spectacular for the most part this year. Statistically, uh, you know, I'm trying to give this person their, uh, their credit, but it's like he's, he's third best American League pitcher by FIP. He's top three by war. He has been really good this year. For all of his struggles early on, for all of the ups and downs overall, uh, let's see, this was to... Uh, at Blaze, S-N-D-R-S, so like Sanders. Uh, his name is Sanders. He's third in the AL and FIP and fourth in F4. And that was before the game today. And I agree. Yeah, you kind of don't think about it, But yeah, the Guardians legitimately had a case for Bieber being an all-star. So why isn't he? Um, one, like Texas needed a representative. That's Martin Perez. Detroit needed a representative. That's Soto. Uh, Oakland needed a representative. That's Blackburn. A lot of the only representatives for the Guardians in this one, or for the uh, other teams in the All-Star game, were pitchers. So that's why Shane Bieber's out. But I think, yeah, I think we're not probably giving Shane enough credit for what he's done this year, uh, how he's playing. I have probably been a little unfair as well, if I'm being honest. But he's <laughs> third-best pitch in the American League by FIP, fourth-best by F, uh, by WAR. And threw an absolute gem today in the first game of this series. To continue on, who reached base, you know, twice in a game, as I go through and do. We have the, can we talk about the weirdest intentional walk? I've never seen an 0-1 intentional walk. Yeah, he fouled it off. Let's let's put him on base. But hey, uh, there was the hit batter, uh, one by when Vaughn got drilled in this one. I didn't expect, you know, a retaliation just because, that's not how Tito has ever done it. He has never been that guy who goes out and, and does that. And since it wasn't at the very start of the game, I don't think it was necessarily an issue. I don't think it was a retaliation. I think one probably got away from him. 
But for the Guardians, reaching base twice, because you have the intentional walk to Jose. Quan and Rosario, Jose, who actually reached base three times. And then I believe that's it, right? Yep. Because they only managed two walks in general, one to Straw, one to Jose, and then also the intentional walks are technically three. They had eight hits, three walks. That's 11 opportunities. Four runs is, you know, a little bit high for that, but pretty good. Uh, it's really good to consider that they only had two extra base hits, both doubles by Rosario. The other side of things, Chicago, um, I was trying to say mustard there, mustard all of three hits and then had the hit batter. So they had four opportunities, one run. That's about right as well. So all in all, it is a box score that makes sense. It is a good win with the Guardians. A game over 500. Right now, looking like they will unfortunately slip back. We'll talk about the second game in segment two of the show. But let's give our three stars. Well, I think it's pretty easy. Bieber, with that performance, yeah. Rosario, the only two extra base hits and a multi-hit game, yeah. And it just comes down to the one part where you can, you know, try to figure this out is Jose Ramirez reached base three times. Quan reached base twice, but they were two hits. Do two hits have more value than three times reaching base? Uh, I think in this one, I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to give the advantage to Jose uh, in this one. uh, My only other real complaint is uh, I don't know what's going on with Owen Miller (laughs) dropping baseballs. It's just he can't seem to catch these pop-ups. It's it's really weird. It's also the first time since Nolan Jones has been called up. He had uh, an 0 for uh, over three with a strikeout. Also, the first time he's not the player, one of our three stars in one of these. So uh, it's going to happen. He's going to cool down. We, It is nice, though, how we've seen so many young guys just step right in and perform. But right now, uh, you know, he, he's not going to hit 438 as much as I would love him to. He is not. We're going to take our first break, come back and talk about the second game, which is currently ongoing. I may not know much about jewelry, but what I know about jewelry is you want it to be something original. You want it to be something different. You don't want to buy someone something that they then see someone else carrying or wearing, I should say, the exact same thing. And when it comes to original, unique, beautiful jewelry, Blue Nile is a company to go check out. And not only is it just a fantastic product, how about the fact that they have 24-7 customers waiting, uh, customer assistants waiting to help you, jewelry experts on hand. Available via phone or chat to help you find that memorable gift at every budget. They have online tools that help you find exactly what you're looking for. It doesn't matter if you're looking for fine jewelry. It doesn't matter if you're looking for engagement. You're going to find what you need through BlueNile.com. And make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners. Get $50 off of purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use the code LOCKDOWN. That's code LOCKDOWN. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Ongoing game. So in the second part of this doubleheader here, it's, again, not, not looking too great. Uh, the Guardians are currently losing 4 nothing. Ooh, I mean, that was a nice pitch by Karen Jock. I thought, or Corinne check that uh, I almost thought was going to hit him. Like, that was so up and in, but he got the guy to go. And this is... Again, if he can get to anywhere near where he used to be, this is probably, I mean, I'm not going to say probably, this is the best outing he's had in, in, I guess, not putting qualifiers. This is his best outing in a year. Uh, He is currently at one and two-thirds innings, one walk, three strikeouts, and that was a nasty pitch there for that third strikeout. Like I said, I thought it was riding in and was going to hit the batter, and instead it was riding in and he got got him to swing over the top for 
uh, for Pollock there. So in this game, Pilkington didn't pitch badly facing his old team. And by the way, there is a humor in this one that they started Call and Pilkington, right? The two guys that got, oh, that was a nice one there at 81. Like just, you know, you think it's, it, that froze the batter. It's a great pitch. Um, and that's like when things are going, Karen Chalk, Karen Check can be, uh, you know, such a strong reliever. And, and right there we go. Two strong innings for him. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw the piece with Nolan Jones talking about how he helped him out. Like, okay, no matter what your views are, and, you know, I know there's a lot of people that just dislike uh, Karen Check because of his views. Uh, when he is on, he was electric. He was a lot of fun. And, I mean, it sounds like he was a great teammate. Like, Nolan Jones gives him credit for helping get things together after his own uh, struggles with injury. So, good teammate as well. And, again, I you know, even with all of his struggles this year, I wanted him to stay up in Cleveland because you got to see what you have. You're going to have to make a hard decision at the end of this year on him one way or another. Might as well keep him in town. And, again, his his best pitching performance in a calendar year so far tonight. But Pilkington, not bad. Five innings, six hits, four runs, three earned, one walk, three strikeouts, the two home runs. Again, for a guy who's been so up and down this year, who's been the kind of go-to six starter, uh, you take it. Good for Pilkington there. Nick Sandlin, another strong performance. Like, you look at this team right now, if Sandlin and uh, 99 can keep it going, I mean, listen, heading into last year, there was a point in time where it went Class A, 99, Sandlin. That was your 7-8-9. We've had the struggles of this year with Morgan. Henches has not been good uh, over his last few games. But you add in these two, all of a sudden that bullpen is locked in. I feel very good about it. And you're not even probably looking to acquire any arms just because the internal depth in the system. If these two can turn around, and this is a... You don't want to take an encouraging thing. You want to take a positive from this game right now. Even if they lose, the positive is this is three strong outings for Sandlin in a row. And I don't know if he walked anyone through those, and that's huge for a guy who, when he got sent down, had the highest walk per nine of anyone in baseball. And then, again, 99, he was so good. He was so, so good. And then he wasn't. And the sticky stuff and the mental side of it, and it all got away from him. If these two guys can get it together, Guardians' bullpen is going to be deadly. It's going to be one of the best ones in baseball, and I'll stand by that. Uh, now we've talked about the positive. The negative in this one, you know, they, they managed six hits so far in this one, and they also had uh, three walks and nine opportunities. It's just been scattered. You know, Andres has the 0-4. Jose has two hits, two hits by Quan. Miller, who I've been, you know, still the 50th worst base, uh, batter in baseball since may 1st to just be honest about that he's still low on that and that's part of the problem right here right like fran mill and naylor both have offers as well and then you got miller who we've discussed has really struggled since may 1st call is that his first start as a major leaguer mailey who we already talked about and then ernie clement who is second worst hitter on this team throughout the course of this year and a 29th worst hitter in all of baseball uh this year so it is that's a rough lineup it just is. And the White Sox aren't sitting there throwing their sixth starter. They're throwing Dylan Cease, who's been their top starter this year in this one. Uh, the Guardians just couldn't get anything together. Their best opportunities, 
in the third inning, I believe it was. Let me just double check this here. I thought it was the third where they got guys. Uh, yeah, so you had the melee strikeout, and then you know credit to Clement single, Quan single. Then you got Andres strikeout, Jose pop out, and then we already talked about what happened in the sixth. Where again, I would have been very tempting, very tempting. I'd have been very tempted. It'd be the correct word there. I'd have been tempted. And there's Naylor. Uh, I I can tell you right now, having done the White Sox podcast over the past week, that is the guy that they fear the most in this lineup. It feels like. Outside of Jose, everyone fears Jose the most, but uh, he just keeps hitting. Uh, going back to this, though, looking at this game, that could be the point that this whole thing switches on. You're struggling to get runs across. They bring in a reliever, right-handed reliever. They can't pull him out. It's not like we can do this whole righty-lefty switcheroo thing. They're stuck. Bring in Nolan Jones in that situation. And I know someone's saying, oh, the rookie and you know Hedges. I bring him in. The, it, bases are loaded. If you want a chance to win this game, Luke Maley isn't your chance. And I know I already talked about it, but that's I'm just going to keep going with that because that's where I feel like that was such a missed opportunity. You have to treat you have to treat it like a high leverage situation. You you can't do what they did and just send out a guy who's more than like it it's one of those things that has driven me a little batty over the last few weeks when they've had these opportunities where it is a high leverage situation for both teams. They're keeping out the guys who have been unproductive who have not been strong who are not your top performers uh just because of depth issues or because it's too early to go get a pinch hitter the beauty of having a dh is you know you don't have to sit there and hold your hitters for when the pitcher comes up you don't have to sit there and worry about juggling the lineup that's exactly if you got a deeper bench go to it use those players in the high leverage situations a pinch hitter a your be- your bench batters should be used much like how you use a bullpen to take advantage of a high leverage situation uh, to use a platoon advantage Tito's favorite thing to his advantage and I really wish we were seeing that but it's not going to happen let's be honest it's going to keep being the starters play unless they're a young player and then we're going to replace them did that get him mm, kind of wish he leaned in if I'm being honest right now but then again you know Fran Mill has been on fire of late so maybe not as much we're going to take our last break we'll come back and see if something can change and we're also going to talk about this idea of the Fran Mill trade uh you know I talked about it on the show yesterday it's kind of one of the hot rumors so we're going to discuss it a little bit more and then we're going to with time permitting check in on some of our minor league performers who have been making us stand up and pay attention and see who has continued to be you know amongst the best producers in the Cleveland Guardians minor league system Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sp- sports scores, podcasts, news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. Hey, we got a walk, so it's just like getting a hit batter, I got my wish. Uh, well, this is the problem, right? So before we get into the brand move at all, this is the part of the lineup where things, you know, do you have much hope? Now, Owen Miller has had a good game in this one. He's played a little bit better of late. I still think he's being overused a bit, if I'm being honest, but... We'll have to see, but uh, I don't have a lot of faith right now, if I'm being 
uh, additionally honest. So let's talk a little bit about the DH position, something that is now universal in baseball. And if you go and you pull up and you look at fan graphs, DH batting leaders, there's only 20 players who are DHs who meet the qualifying level and have at least a 100 runs created plus. And some of these guys aren't, you know, really DHs because you have like in the top 10, you have Jordan Alvarez, who is a DH, but they also have Michael Brantley at 10 because he's played there some. That was great, Owen Miller. Three straight pitches. Um, I mean, and that third one wasn't even, uh, you know, I mean, it's not even close. He's swinging at one that almost could have not that far from catching you in the knee. Um, So here is, looks like maybe we're going to get the pinch hitter that I called for earlier. But uh, again, so he's pinch hitting for call. So here's the problem now. This just shows the whole view of like, okay, well, we're going to pinch hit him. And then we're going to have Miles Straw obviously play center field. So you're going to lose two guys for one, which why not just do it a spot ago? You know, uh, why is this, uh, you know, they're not going to pinch hit Owen Miller because they're not going to, because, you know, Andres is already in the game and he is the only person, as is Clement, and they're not going to put Rosario second. So Miller goes up and looks bad. Now we get Nolan Jones here to pinch hit. We'll see if he can uh, do something, you know, get a run across, make this a little bit of a tighter affair. Uh, It's just not something I am... It's just something that should have been done earlier. That's all I'm going to say. Like, uh, We'll move on. But again, talk about this DH position. Uh, number three, for instance, Alejandro Kirk. He's mostly played catcher for uh, Boston this year. Bryce Harper, it's only because he's been hurt. Uh, Byron Buxton. Like, If we went through and really eliminated guys, like Andrew Vaughn really hasn't DH that much. Um Christian Yelich, no, not really. It's all of a sudden you get what I'm saying that this list of DHs who have been at least league average, uh, Josh Donaldson, no, you know, it, it's it's maybe nine to ten guys. Now, and uh, Wilson Contreras is fifth. I mean, we can just keep going, but instead of being twenty guys who've been league average or better, like in terms of the everyday players at that position, it's been closer to ten. Now, Franmil Reyes does not have a 100 runs created plus right now. Uh, we should also point that out, but he has played a lot better. And it, with teams potentially looking for DHs, I don't think if they traded him, which you talked about on yesterday's show, why that is a rumor that I'm inclined to believe. Uh, I don't think they're going to trade him for a bunch of prospects. Now, it is interesting looking around the league. Right now, by the way, if you go check out Tampa, because that's one of the teams I was looking at, uh, it's Cleveland South. Francisco Mejia uh, started half their games at catcher this week. Harold Ramirez DH'd uh, two games, played two games in the outfield. Yandy Diaz is playing every single day, their third base or DH. And they claimed Yu Chen Chang when the Pirates let him go. So it is Cleveland South. That is also the most injured team in baseball. I did a count. I think they have nine pitchers on the 60-day disabled list right now. Nine and that's not counting like two more batters who are out. They have, I believe, double-digit people on the 68 DL. It is unreal. That is one beat-up team. I don't think they're necessarily going to trade for Fran Mill because uh, they more need someone. Ooh, Nolan Jones is trying to go for 15 runs in one swing there. Uh, we'll see how this turns out. But, yeah, you can get why they're going out and making trades for someone like Christian Betancourt and making some minor uh, moves. It's uh, another strikeout there. 
Yeah, it's going to happen. I mean, Jones is going to strike out a bunch. Well, it's, uh, oh, bringing in Ahmed now for a melee. Again, what? So we're doing it now with two outs and runners on first and second because it's the eighth inning. But if you do in the sixth, you actually had a better opportunity to, to come back and get things done. Like, you had a better opportunity, and it's just lateness of the game. And again, I'll, I'm going to let it go. I'm sorry. So going around baseball, part of me wonders, honestly, if the team that would make the most sense, if you're trying to get pitching, if you consider shopping Fran Mill Reyes, would be the San Diego Padres. His old team, right? Because, one, they have pitching for days. They have acquired so much starting pitching, uh, it's coming out the ears. Two, they have had outfield needs for forever. Their current DH, Luke Voigt, could easily move to first base. And they're kind of stuck with Hosmer, but he is not good at all on any level. I don't know what they can do with him. You know, the, the rumor at one point in time was that they were trying to attach him to a massive prospect to get another team. It was from the minute he signed, we knew that was a terrible contract. He's not opting out at the end of the year at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess he's got a 102. He's not terrible, but he's making a lot of money to be league average while being a bad defender. So gloom to your bench, make your team better. Uh, when you talk about right now, like San Diego has six starters and Musgrove, Snell, Darvish, Gore, Manea, and Clevenger. Would they consider shopping someone like Blake Snell? I mean, that's I've seen that rumor as well. Could you figure out a deal for Fran Milne Snell? Potentially. Uh, there are those pieces in here that kind of make sense. If Cleveland is looking to add nice hustle on that one down the line by Ahmed. Really nice hustle. Uh, Stephen Kwan has been arguably their best hitter today in terms of contact rates, so things are getting fun. But imagine if he had done that when the bases were loaded. <laughs> Just going to keep harping like I do. Uh, I think, you know, I, I ask people if I brag too much. Sorry to uh, Mr. Ryder. I'm blanking on your first name. You are in the minority. Uh, but I think it might be more things like this where I talk about something for the sixth time on a podcast because I, I get annoyed and can't let go. But, yeah, looking at this team, it's like that might make sense. This might be what Cleveland looks to do if they move him. Now I'll still say that if you move him, you don't have any right-handed bats. So you got to figure something out. Uh, but I, I think that the whole, I, I, I don't know, what was said in that Terry Pluto piece makes me think that he is indeed a shoppable piece. And I get it. If they feel like they have given him three years in a row and he refuses to report to camp in shape every single year, oh, that's right. No, it's Ernie Clement up. And, of course, we leave Clement one of the worst. See, so you <laughs> Because here's what's happening. You look at the Guardians bench. You got Hedges and Shaw. Straw. And yeah, Clement's out. Thumbs up. I mean, that's, you know, the most likely outcome. What are you going to... Because now they're going to, you know, move Hedges to catcher. They're going to move Straw to center. They can't sit there and with the way the outfield I mean could you conceivably flipped you know it's like without losing the DH but I mean honestly it's it's one of those things where just lose the DH like you're likely nothing's gonna happen likely you're not gonna get those opportunities it's not gonna 
if this game goes into extras because you lost the DH, great. Um, you'll deal with it. But letting Clem, you know, doing all of that to let Clement hit high leverage situation. Let's let's let. Uh, it's roster construction on a basic level, but it's because it's the guys Tito wants. Like you could very clearly see in that quote from yesterday that like he was pissed about Mercado. He didn't want call. If they tried to like, the only way the Clement isn't on this roster is if they take him away from Tito. And it's unfortunate because again, I think he's a major league player. I think he's a good clubhouse guy. I think he does a lot of things. Well, Tito trust him in situations like that, which is a problem. Catcher is also just a black hole of offensive production. It's frustrating. We're probably going to lose this one. You know, we're going to end the show here in a second, but prospect stuff will get moved to tomorrow. I said it was if time permits. You do all of that, get the bases loaded again, and then you leave up again the 26th worst hitter in baseball this year. The only hitter worse than him statistically through this season on the Cleveland Guardians team is Austin Hedges. Straw has been playing well of late. I'd rather see Straw in that situation. And again, if I lose the DH, I lose the DH because more than likely it's probably not going to turn into anything. But I would rather have that opportunity than not. Because, I don't know. I just don't see it coming along here. But yeah, I mean, now you got the situation where, oh no, so they did, they shifted the outfield anyways. So you got Quan in center, Reyes, so you still have Straw. So why wouldn't you let Straw hit, who's been playing very well of late, who like over his last 10 games is hitting over 400, to leave in Ernie Clement? I, I'm waiting. Like, explain that one to me. Explain to me in that situation why you leave in one of the worst hitters in baseball. Statistically, this isn't like objectively, this is statistically, this is data-driven, one of the worst hitters in baseball, instead of bringing in a guy who's been hot in his last 10 games to hit with the bases loaded. Two times in a row, not two times in a row, twice in this game, Guardians got the bases loaded and then did not pinch hit for... Uh, one of the worst hitters in baseball. Twice. And they're losing 4 nothing. And there could be a reason for that. <sighs> I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand. I, I don't. It's just, it is totally down to, you can just very easily see. I mean, okay, so in the sixth inning, at least I'm like, okay, it's early on. Like, I that's me being aggressive and talking about a high leverage situation. That's not for everyone. Most managers probably wouldn't do what I'm asking Tito to do in that situation. I understand that. You know, it's not ideal. Uh, a lot of the new age ones would certainly jump in that and know that that, like, A.J. Hinch is definitely pulling the trigger there. At the same time, in the to sit there in last inning and to not do that when you have the bases loaded, to leave in your second worst hitter when you have a hot bat riding on the bench is, and I know what you're saying, you know, who's going to play third then? Well, if you're just going to move everyone around, put Nolan at third. We're not taking the DH away in that case. Nolan Jones came up as a third baseman. Straw can still play in the outfield. You know, there's a way to make that all work and not leave Ernie Clement in the game. 
I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked on Guardians Podcast for this week. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. Subscribe on YouTube. I don't care if you mute me, at least subscribe. Let's get those subscription numbers. We're approaching 400 up. Uh, again, stay tuned. Probably not tomorrow because I don't think I'm going to have time, but we will have a lot of draft-based things. Uh, if you want to go check out my dra- uh, my very poorly made blog, uh, mlbdraftnow.blogspot.com. That's my top 52 draft prospects. Uh, and you can, you know, see I am bonkers. I think very differently than everyone else, and I accept that. Uh, again, I've been Jeff Ellis. Follow me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Hit me up with questions that I can use on the show. Ideas, comments, complaints. I listen to you guys. I've quoted bad reviews, what people take. I've also said the positives. Trying to always make this show better and make it so the fans are always feel like a part of it. It is. You have some ownership. Uh, and as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.